Hump Day Hustle. For y'all that don't know what Hump Day Hustle is, Hump Day Hustle is a podcast designed by Praising Ministries to highlight the movers and the shakers of our local community here in East Palo Alto. You're going to hear a variety of interviews with various folks from, uh, as we have today, city council candidates to youth sports coaches to uh, city council members, the mayor. We're trying to get everybody on here uh, that's doing positive things in East Palo Alto so people know how to connect and know who's doing what in our town. Today, we have none other than longtime resident housing advocate now city council candidate mr stewart highland I want you guys to understand this man has a heart to serve the people and as we ask our questions today i'm sure as that as i know you're gonna see the heart of a true servant of east palo alto stewart how are you today man i'm doing great jeff um and just want to put the word out for praising their ministries and the work that you're doing about spreading the good news in so many different levels so uh-huh. that folks can receive it that's a wonderful thing you're doing man thank you thank you very much you know we just try to stay out the way Stuart. you know it's an old <laughs> staying about when 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 the lord is working in things you really got to be careful not to step on his toes you know what i mean and stay out of his way but thank you for that you know he's giving us a call uh, to bring the word to folks but also to to bridge that gap uh, between uh, community service uh, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in, in our town uh, working with our kids uh, in football, but he's given me the opportunity to have a platform now to kind of bridge some of the gaps between religious folks and non-religious folks and just folks uh, just coming together to come to uh, produce a common good. Okay, so I, I just appreciate him so much for that. So we're going to ask you uh, this morning a few little questions uh, we're going to focus mainly on some of our uh issues uh that we we find here in east palo but we want to hear from you as a candidate uh how you feel about things and what you're standing for and all that kind of good stuff and i'm going to let you do that i'm going to start out by asking you to tell the folks how long you've been a resident and then how uh in your mind in your opinion what are the top three priorities for uh, our city council people to be considering, say, in the next four or five years? Okay. Well, I was born and raised in Oakland, but I was uh, able to begin working at Stanford University, like so many of us, in 1980. And after a couple of years, 1982, moved over here and was living in a West Side apartment, like a lot of folks. Currently, mm-hmm. uh, been a homeowner for about 20 years over here on Azalea in East Palo Alto. And um, just was really felt blessed to come to a community that's an activist community, meeting people like Dr. Omar Wally Satterwhite, Uncle Bob Hoover, <laughs> Tommy Smith, mm-hmm. Tommy Moore. <laughs> it was just a, it was a wonderful spot to land in over here in the gardens and have neighbors like that. Right, right, right. Yeah, East Palo Alto. Let me let me ask you this. I like to ask people that have been here a while this this question a lot actually. What is your fondest memory of East Palo Alto? Well, as a uh, permanent husband, don't plan <laughs> on going anywhere. <laughs> I, I got to say it was at Marriage Day uh, in 1984. Nice. August 11, 1984, St. Francis of Assisi Church. It was really, really a great day. Um, I never saw my wife look more beautiful than 
Um, and and uh, my family from Oakland, and Louisiana, got to meet the family here, the Montez family here in East Palo Alto. And uh, I still remember my brother-in-law, Joe, saying, this is the most fun party I ever had at a wedding. So <laughs> that that was really a very special day that really stands out in my mind. Um, just, just seeing what I see in East Palo Alto all the time, um, like folks, Latino folks, just folks coming together at church having a good time. Right. Um, and appreciating each other's culture. Right. Right. You know, and that's that's something that I personally miss a little bit, too, is the fellowshipping of the churches. Uh, when I was growing up, we had many similar experiences with our family here, too. And then something happened, and things tended to change. Uh, and I know that you, being a longtime resident and homeowner uh, in EPA, uh, have seen... A majority of the changes that that had in the city and i'm going to ask you what do you think the greatest strides have been uh for the city of east palo alto and what are some of the things that you think we still have a long way to go on well i can think of three that stand out to me one is the longevity of the leadership of this city being um uh folks of color we, we have managed to run our city in an in a uphill way. That mm -hmm. is, we're moving higher um, over time. Uh, leaders continue to step up from the community, part of the community with a deep connection to um, our heritage about being multicultural. Folks aren't trying to really take care of just one group. They're trying to take care of all of East Palo Alto as a whole. Yes. So I would say in general, our city council has definitely done that since the founding, you know, with uh, the first Madam Mayor, uh, Barbara Bhutan. Yes. So, and the uh, the multicultural group that incorporated the city. So right. that's, that's one. Two is the ability of the faith community to remain relevant, um, to have programs and services throughout the city that's that's been a little up and down but I would say um, when I look at like Bayshore Christian Ministries when I look at what's happening in St. Francis um, mm -hmm. and and even the Samoan Methodist Church that would do the cleanup campaigns that that part of the community remains active mm -hmm. and even and maybe in a quiet way that people don't see more openly about keeping us grounded keeping us recognizing each other as neighbors yes. in fun. And over time, those neighbors have changed. Right. Um, I would say the third thing is the um, the community of nonprofits. That is, we don't just rely on the government. Some of us, like you, <laughs> you know, get out there and say this has to happen. You know, right. so I'm looking at Demetrius uh, and the work that he's doing with basketball. Yes, Greyhounds, mm -hmm. um, the after school programs that are ongoing. Uh, Miss Gloria Marshall over at the Montessori school who has yes. actually gone through generations of my family with their children, right. <laughs> children going to her preschool. Right. So, right. you know, it's just, um, so yeah. I think the fact that we don't wait for stuff to happen, that we are active mm -hmm. and that we're grounded, um, in a compassion and a concern for, and a respect for the different cultures here in the city. Um, has all added to that. And the, the nonprofits add a, a level of professionalism mm -hmm. um, and tend to set expectations. Uh, something that, that's been lost that I would love to see uh, resurrected is the Leadership Academy, Leadership Training Academy. Mm -hmm. The LTA that was founded by Dr. Omawali and the folks from the Nairobi mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. um, to say, you know what, this isn't going to happen if we expect the public schools alone to train our young folks leaders of our community. Right. We need to be uh, decisive about how this is going to happen and professional. So those black PhDs got together and created a program and partnered with Stanford and made sure that um, they knew what it would take to lead this city council. Oh, good. Yes, yes. Now I'm going to digress just a little bit. Give us those top three priorities of the city council that you feel are going to be uh, critical for our city council people to be really tuned in uh, to in the next, uh, say, four years, four to five years. So a big part of my history I haven't touched on yet is the work uh, that I did with Peninsula Interfaith Action. And this was around affordable housing, public safety, helping schools deal with, with gangs. So right now that would be faith in action. And what we did was stay in contact with the city council. We would have small meetings. And so you know, whoever the council member was or the mayor would, would sit down with uh, like 12 of us and we would talk some things out. Mm-hmm. That needs to continue mm-hmm. and, 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 a, and a shape and form that takes place um, more intimate than uh, a study session. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it means whoever's on the city council is going to have to put in more time. And I, I'm not saying they're not putting in a lot of time over the years watching that, mm-hmm. um, but that needs to continue. So that's mm-hmm. that's number one is to stay in contact with community at a grassroots level. Right. Uh, number two, the big changes that are coming is whatever is being built um, has to be tested and, and approved by the folks that are, that would be the most impacted here and so I would say some of my new neighbors who are um, pretty comfortable um, may have to really sit back when it's time for study sessions to hear where people are coming from that are that are really pressed mm-hmm. that are having a hard time staying in Silicon Valley it's mm-hmm. one thing done well in East Palo Alto it's preserve uh, a living place for working-class folks right um, and so the third thing that I see this as critical that kind of ties into that is continuing to build more affordable housing and and thoughtful affordable housing not just affordable rental housing but opportunities for home ownership um wealth transfer is critical um the the conversation about reparations is a national conversation but when we think about what was lost here in uh 2007 to 2009 all of the foreclosures that happened Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we were impacted in east palo alto much more than any other city in San Mateo County. Hmm. So hmm. Uh, that's, that's critical. And, right. and part of that uh, affordable housing construction is um, the Measure HH that's happening uh, to build career paths. We have to be really thoughtful about that. We have some time until those buildings are built and that revenue really starts coming in uh, mm-hmm. big. But we have, we have to focus and be prepared to get our young folks kind of in line with what I said earlier about leadership training to get our folks thinking about going forward. You know, and there's great work being done in in that realm of the the new economy with uh, programs like shout out to uh, Tunde. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Tunde's doing a wonderful job. If you guys don't know about it, you will hear about it soon. I think we're going to try to get Tunde on here to shout out to the people about uh, Street Code. Like, Like 
not like anyone doesn't know who Tunde is. <laughs> he's everywhere, this guy. He is everywhere. Wonderful, wonderful brother. And yes, I, I totally agree. Street code is something that I think we all need to, to rally behind and support that brother any way that we can uh, to make sure that he's, you know, teaching kids the coding thing and, and all of the new high tech stuff and taking them to these conferences. Just a wonderful work there. I totally agree with all of your points. And then, of course, there's probably plenty, plenty more, but we appreciate that. So let me ask you. How do you think the closing of Ravenswood High School affected uh, folks in our community, young people in our community? That happened back in 77, 78? Right. And so my kids had to deal with that, right? My sons, who's uh, and I raised three sons here in East Palo Alto. So uh, one was bust out the woodside. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> one got a scholarship and went to St. Francis. Mm -hmm. And the youngest one ended up graduating right with high He had some problems with MA, but that's mm -hmm. his challenge. Right. Um, not being able to be close to home and not growing up here, I heard from my wife, Cruz, who, who mm -hmm. she, she made it through, I think, her sophomore year, and then she had to transfer to him. Mm -hmm. um, she always talked about how Ravenswood had the championship team. And yep. so that was a place to rally, rally the community together, bring mothers, fathers, you know, cousins to cheer on their folks. Right. Um, plus, it was an innovative school, from what I learned. Yes. It was really mm -hmm. challenging. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's it spoke to how it affects people is different from. I just want to back up a little bit about the whole idea of what it taught us about San Mateo County, and mm -hmm. then really didn't teach us we already know but I, I think it should be clear you can't reverse bus right right so if you're going to desegregate it only goes in one direction right unless unless you're talking about gentrification right and then yes. you flip the script and they're welcome to come in and push you out so yes. mm -hmm. and i'm not just i'm not throwing this out at, at our neighbors that are coming in but it's just to say there is a systemic backdrop to folks that are moving into the community now and when I talk about respecting other people's cultures and getting to know people, it's it's got to go both, both ways. Yeah, so absolutely. What was lost? What was lost in Ravenswood really um, was kind of a balance, right? It was like a painful thing because on the on the other hand, we did need to build some type of a uh, commercial base, but it didn't necessarily have to happen there. Right. 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 So the yeah. key thing. So what's the lesson there that you're asking me, Jeff? Is mm -hmm. like. If we are going to build more, we want to make sure we don't lose something precious in, in the exchange. Very good. Yeah, very well so, said. Yeah. yeah. Right. At, at what cost did that, uh, you know, commercial complex in its development, what did it really cost us? You're right. I believe it did cost us, uh, you know, stability in our young people uh, to be accessible with their folks right at home. I was actually in that. I was actually in your wife's class. Oh, wow. I was in your wife's class at Ravenswood. I remember her. She was a very quiet young lady, always respectful and very smart, very smart. You lucked out, brother. You're a hey, lucky man. Was looking out for me, thank he, you. He was looking out for you for sure. <laughs> Cruz, don't get any better than his Cruz. So, kind of wrapping it up because it's a quick, quick shot for us. This is the last question. It's a three-part question. There's been some rumblings around town about 
uh, a certain condition that that uh, exists on our city council. It's a it's a racial balance issue, and I'd like to know if there's something that you can attest to in that, and if there is such a condition on the city council, what would you like to see as a working resolution to that problem, and then how would we get there to resolve that issue and that that racial balance issue? So. I think it, the answer needs to be more organic. Mm-hmm. That is to say, I, I don't think we should have districts necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to air this out, we're talking about mostly black folks are on the city council and there's been like, uh, it's three, two, it's usually three black folks and two Latino folks. At one point it was three black folks. I mean, it was two black folks and three Latino folks. Mm-hmm. That, didn't, that didn't last very long. Right. So I, I'm, I just want to air that out. That's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and the organic answer, I think, really is something like the Leadership Training Academy, when we're bringing all our young people together in the same room to talk about what we have to do to survive here. Right. And so the the group we're not talking about that's made a huge impact in East Palo Alto, when I think about Mama D and Center mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the Pacific Islander community, yeah, there, there hasn't been that leadership on the city council either. Right. So I, I think what's happening is is to get the, the LTA together and make sure it's a multicultural group, teach us all about the challenges we've had to, to deal with in, in this these United States. Right. And also how there's been times when we've all worked together. Mm-hmm. And so um, that leadership would be more organic. You'll have folks who know how to talk to each other because they've had that relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I look at uh, Mama D's uh, children, Tiffany, mm-hmm. Shanna, mm-hmm. Uh, Squeaky, and Mike, they um, they went to the LTA. So they get it. Mm-hmm. They get that unity is like, look, if we're going to build this city up and keep it together, we have a lot more in common than we have different. But then what Absolutely. we have different is really fun to share. Right. <laughs> really fun to see it it work. <clears throat> you yeah. know, we've always always been multicultural, although we were never labeled that. We were always labeled something else. But ever since I was growing up, I always remember, uh, although the, the of course, the, uh, the demographic of African-American was much higher back then. But we've always had uh, interaction with, with, with various cultures here. It was never all one way. And uh, for me, that was an exciting thing. It, you know, I was scared of it at first because I'm a mixed race child that grew up in EPA uh, where mm-hmm. primarily it was black. So it was a little fearful at first because we were different. And then when we finally realized, like you said, that there were more similarities truly than there were differences we were able to to become just one community because if we went to San Jose per se to play football or something, uh, yeah, you you don't jump in our huddle for for sure, you know, because we were we were unified and we went into a town and we stood on it because people looked at us in a certain way and we had to always hold our heads up. Uh, and this is one of the things we we teach our kids today is that uh, we are no less and no more than anyone else. We're all human and we're just out here to have fun and grow together. So. It, it's been a, a marvelous ride watching EPA advance itself into this new millennial that we're in. So, so Jeff, there's one thing I'd like to add to that. Absolutely. So the city council needs to make a commitment to facilitating the conversation, which means there needs to be really authentic interpretation mm-hmm. 
Tongan, Samoan, mm-hmm. Spanish. So we need to be able to have that conversation in a in an authentic way, which means investing in having good interpretation at right. uh, any city uh, study sessions or or material that comes out from us. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Well, let me ask you this, a uh, little personal: Have you been uh, boned up on the propositions? Oh, the measures. Oh, yeah. yeah. Props too, for sure. Prop yeah. fifteen's got to pass. Uh huh. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you what your view is uh, to to the folks that might be listening. Uh, you know, quick rundown on those things if you could give it to us. We got time. Uh, if you care to, to expound a little bit on what your views are uh, on these measures that are before us, as well as the propositions, especially I was real uh, concerned about the affirmative action coming back and how that's going to look. Um, just just your take on on what we're looking at in this election. Okay, so just real quick on the close ones, uh, Measure V, which we're doing right here in town, is a brilliant idea. We need to pass that. The little increase on the TOT gets us some money back for affordable housing, mm-hmm. which Governor Brown took away when he took away our redevelopment agency. But, you know, right. that's right, the right. tug right, between the state and the city and the county. Right, always. Um, Prop 15 is, is major. A lot of folks are thinking, I'm a homeowner, this is going to mess with my Prop 13. Whatever you hear about that saying no on Prop 15 is just a lie. They're not telling the whole truth. Mm-hmm. The whole truth is this is only about companies of a larger size. I read that. Yes. Uh huh. And, and that's that's a big deal. So people are saying, oh, they're gonna. That's a slippery slope. Nobody wants to take away the homeowner exemption. Nobody right. wants to stress seniors any further. Right. So the 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 big deal about that is Prop 15 takes money from folks who have the money. Uh huh. When, when you get a $20 million grant from uh, Facebook or Google, you need to know that's that's like tied in at, at, at like less than 1%. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real, right? <laughs> Matter of fact, we would love for them to tie, just tie one time. And he's about, we can revamp the whole city, right? <laughs> 10% please. Yes, please. Please, 10% would work. So we're we're uh, making it clear that Brother Stewart, city council candidate, longtime resident and activist, is letting us know yes on 15? Yes, yes. Yes on 15 is what his vote would be for 15. Just want to make sure everybody hears that and understand. And yes on uh, Measure V. What's that? And yes on Measure V. And yes on Measure V. The breakdown Measure V, that's an enhancement to the TOT. Is that Did I get that correct? Right. And, it, and it's smart. It, it doesn't try to raise the tax right now when things are bad in the pandemic. It starts about a year out, 21, 22, increase oh, okay. 1%, and then 22, 23, another 1%. And it's going to bring in revenue that we can put towards affordable housing. Sure, sure. Now, last thing. You know I'm a big youth guy. I'm a huge youth guy. Yes, sir. In this in this campaign thus far, uh, there are two voices to me, brother Stewart, that are that are silent. Mm. That is the young people and the seniors. How would you connect, or as a city council person, try to get these voices to become louder and empower them some, so that we can hear from these two very uh, sometimes vulnerable. Uh, segments of our of our demographic so once again shout out to ophelia bayo 
and the work that Youth United for Community Action, UCA is doing mm-hmm. about getting young folks involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, on, on the senior side, I am really concerned because folks have to shelter in place. And mm-hmm. when I think about the senior center and folks not being able to, to get out, um, we have to be really proactive about reaching out to that community and find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been other communities I've seen where they, they just have uh, canvases go out and they'll just drop off information in, mm-hmm. in like a plastic bag or something on paper. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, a lot of our seniors are definitely up to speed on, on, the, uh, on the Internet and all that, but a lot are not. And so it'd be right. easier to give them something they can hold in their hand and read right. to find out what's going on. So right. um, engaging them more, I would say, the canvassing aspect. And, and I will, and my campaign will be canvassing, social distancing as, mm-hmm. as carefully as possible. But we're definitely going to be talking to folks door to door if they're willing to have us stand back from the porch a little bit and just have a conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you know, I serve on the senior senior advisory committee, and that is our number one priority, Stuart, is to create an, an actual um, database that's accurate enough uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, communicate. And we going at it initially, we're looking at just from the emergency response aspect. You know, if, if there are disabled uh, seniors that cannot make it out of their homes on their own, that we would have a list that uh, uh, Brother Jones also has uh, for the community emergency response team so that we would actually go out to these seniors and make sure that they've gotten out in, in those times of emergency. But anyway, we are actively working on that. But I wanted to ask that question and get your take on it. But I'm glad to hear that, that you are, as I am, Looking at our city, 2.5 square miles, you'll probably cover it in your canvassing, what, in about a week on foot? Uh, on foot, it's going to be about a good three weeks, about two hours a night or a day. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But get the team together to do more of that for sure. Absolutely. But what my point is, it's doable. It's doable for us to go door to door and make sure that we know our neighbors and know uh, what the needs are in each home. I think, you know, maybe... As a drop, maybe a little plant of a seed that we form some kind of uh, squad that's just just dedicated <laughs> for that. You know what I mean? Because getting that kind of database would be so beneficial to not only just the senior community, but the city as well to be able to serve the seniors and who is in their homes and, and all that other kind of stuff. We could protect them from, you know, predatory lenders, which we have a problem with here a little bit. It's gotten better, but it's still some complaints about uh, the phone calls of the realtors just really pounding on the seniors uh, in their phone. Um, So anyway. something I share with Father Goody a lot Mm -hmm. about um, getting in touch with seniors. It's really close to his heart. And Mm -hmm. one of the ideas I I kind of put out, um, I don't know if I should do this publicly, but just thinking that if if folks did want to sell their properties, would they be willing to advertise first, like in their own faith houses or, you know, and maybe keep um, a space for East Palo Alto, the traditional East Palo Alto residents that have been here around in corporation to stay, mm-hmm. would they be willing to do that? I know that um, for a lot of families, uh, what happens when you sell a home gives you a chance to move someplace mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a Tracy or a Modesto and really right. live well. So right. you may not want to do that, but maybe um, it's, an, it's an idea I thought about, about like, um, shop local mm-hmm. maybe you want to try to sell local right 
right? Because there's still a lot of people trying to get back into the town that can't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, my dad sold this house. You know where the fire station is now. Uh, the property right behind it was our home. I grew up there. And oh, uh, Capitol? yeah, Capital running me. Yeah, the corner of Capital running. We 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 painted cars. <laughs> that was our thing. That was our hustle. We would paint cars and do body work in the driveway. Uh, which is those are the days that I miss, right? Bunch of guys and they drinking beer and just having a ball out there, uh, while my dad was doing all the work. <laughs> but you, you know, we 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 need to uh, to address that and keep that going as much as possible. I actually lost my point on what I was saying, so I'm just gonna let it go slide on out the window there. You know, that's what happens when you stay up all night and then you try to do interviews with people the next morning. <laughs> <laughs> hey Jeff, I just want to make sure. So I have thought that uh, the racial disparities thing we were concerned about with the city yes. council. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I don't see it. Me personally, I don't see it as an issue. Uh, I think the uh, just my two cents on on this call. I think that our city council has done a, a great job, even uh, with those murmurings and whatnot, of really being for the people i think you said something in this uh interview earlier about uh, how our city generally incorporates everybody as part of the city and we look at each other's east palo altos and and try to eliminate as much as possible the racial disparity but those grumblings are around and out there so we just wanted to make sure that we heard what your view and your take is on that and what we would do to make sure that we're all on the same page well, that is all of the questions that I have for you from the format. So what I'm going to do at this point is I'm going to give you an opportunity to do a shameless plug for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you have one minute, which is a long time on radio air, to tell us why we as East Palo Altans should vote for you, Mr. Stuart Highland. Because of my nonprofit experience as a professional and also as a volunteer board member, I understand how to work with staff. I understand how to sit down and actively listen to folks about their concerns, about their needs. And I also understand, too, that the folks closest to the pain or the need probably have the answer to their problem. So you need to hear them out. Hmm. That's something I'm willing to do. Hmm. Um, I really... Politics is my football. On Sundays, I would sit there and go through all those shows and, and be up to speed on like national level as well as the local. Mm -hmm. And I don't get my information just from anywhere. I get my information from local radio stations mm -hmm. uh, like KPFA, which kind of digs deep uh, with folks like Davey D on it, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Hard Knock Radio. I'm sending shouts out, but I'm letting you know where I get my information. Right. And I've been going to church here regularly, so... I am invested as a faith person. Uh, the background from uh, faith in action, um, being active with folks, trying to find solutions to problems is where I'm at. And I won't just listen to staff. I will do my own research, bring it back to staff, and we're going to have a dialogue mm -hmm. about what can happen. It won't mm -hmm. be just rubber stamping and paying attention. Right. And um, I'm really friends with a lot of folks to the fact where um, after mass or something, it takes me a little while to go home because I'm checking in. Right. That's right. something I will do with you as a city council person. Right. I will not just sit behind that table and be alone. Amen. So, 
Amen. Sounds like I'm working with my colleagues there too. That's what I'm saying. Sounds like this brother wants to roll his sleeves up and get to work, EPA. Well, yes, Stuart, I want to say thank you so much for your time because I know you're starting to ramp up for the, the campaign. And there's a lot of stuff going on. And I want you to, to uh, say hello to your beautiful wife for me. Uh, it's been a long time since I've even spoken to her, but I don't know if she even remembers me going to her class. Uh, but definitely, we are so proud of you two for showing uh, couples what staying married through all kinds of things is about. Uh, we really appreciate you for that and in your faithfulness in serving the city of East Palo Alto. I've seen you at meetings. I've heard you speak. I've seen some of your writings. And I can tell you what, EPA, there could not be a better uh, man, a man of integrity, a man of character than Stuart Highland for city council. And we ask that you all take a good look, a good hard look at all of the candidates and consider Stuart as one of the favorites for these uh, upcoming seats. So having said that, we're going to do a little cleanup here. We want everyone to understand that this podcast will be broadcast on uh, next week, Wednesday. It's going to be Hump hump Day Hustle on Wednesdays. Probably will come out around noonish. But we're encouraging everybody to um, subscribe to the PraiseHim.com uh, website. That way you will get notifications of all of the postings of these podcasts. Or you could go to the Praising Him uh, today Facebook page and they will be posted there as well so we're going to do our uh, part in making sure that the word gets out and these uh, questions that, that we've asked will be out there for the public to take a look at and I'm sure that uh, Stuart will be available if anyone has any questions after that that uh, he will probably uh, I know that Absolutely. he will he's going to give me some email addresses that we'll put on those uh, posts as well so that if you have questions directly from him or to him from what you've heard today or any other question, he'll be more than willing and happy to entertain those for you and give you the answer that you possibly need. So that is it for today. Again, Stuart, we thank you so much for your time, brother. Good luck in this race. We're going to be watching closely uh, as it develops. And if you need our assistance in anything, just please don't hesitate to let us know and we'll open up whatever we can uh, to assist you in becoming than one of the next city council people of East Palo Alto. Thank you so much, Jeff. And please send my salutations to Miss Giovanni, please. Absolutely, absolutely. Everybody loves my wife, man. She's a star. She's a rising star, <laughs> I tell you. She really is. God bless me with that, too. You know, the word says a man that finds yes. a wife finds a good thing. So we are blessed and highly favored, my brother. So this is Minister Jeff Boss from praising him today. We're going to see you next time.